Well, welcome to Tethered, where we have conversations about where Christ and culture connect, sharing stories that are relevant to your life every day and everywhere you're at. I'm Bill, one of the hosts here at Tethered, and we are so excited to have one of our ho- our guests here uh, today, a- Adrian Shearer. She's the founder and director of Alliance Theater. And I have a question for y'all today, or not really a question, maybe just a statement, and that is one of the things that everyone has in common is this desire to be loved, desire to be accepted, desire to be known. And our, our guest today, Adrian, you might not realize it, but she actually is uh, sets up an intentional environment for people to experience being seen, known, and loved. And that's actually through theater. You might not have thought about that before, but through theater, she creates this environment for people to experience it. So we're very excited to have her with us to talk about that. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the show. And she's going to talk about how you can be involved with Alliance Theater or possibly even come to the Better Together Academy. So again, we want to welcome Adrian to the show. So glad to have you here with us. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Yeah, very much. And so we're here with uh, Oliver and Sunshine as well, um, hosting with us. And theater, that's something that I, I took theater arts when I was like a freshman in, in high school. And uh, I remember I had to do a monologue for my final and I, it was like a five minute monologue and I got up there and I completely, it was actually a song and I I went up there and my mind went blank. First time and the only time my mind has ever gone blank in front of an audience before. And I did not know what I was singing. I had this little tape track playing. I completely made up the words to the song. I mean, it was so bad. It was mom went to the store and a fly over the spoon and and it was and it was the, the the song from Oklahoma, the play Oklahoma. So I was like, Oklahoma, that's all I could get out. I mean, it was like people were looking at me like, this something's wrong with this guy. Um, the teacher actually afterwards he gave me my grade and he goes, you know, I mean, he knew I totally bombed it, but he goes, you didn't lose your composure, and most people would have freaked out. So he said, I'm a, he gave me like an 88 on it or something. But so that's kind of my experience with theater there. So, um, you know, uh, hopefully we'll learn a lot more about that from Adrian. But uh, everybody's got a story. Everybody's everybody's life is telling a story. So tell us a little bit about your your story, Adrian. Um, yeah. So I uh, grew up with a single mom um, from Beaumont, Texas, and my mom always wanted to be an actress when she was younger. And mm-hmm. My grandmother always wanted to be an actress when she was younger. And so um, it got passed down to me. And since I can remember, I've always wanted to be an actress and um, grew up on the old films with Judy Garland and uh, Gene Kelly and um, just thought, wow, I I feel like I know these people. I feel like these people are my family somehow. It's just in my blood, you know. So, no, was your mom an actress? My mom never got the opportunity to live out her dreams, um, but she raised me around singing and dancing and uh, storytelling. She plays the guitar, writes music. So, I just grew up in a very theatrical household. Okay. She put me in dance at age six, you know, and so. Um, I owe a lot of my exposure, you know, to my mother. So Yeah, so you say household, dance, mm-hmm. any, other, any other kind of context that you were exposed to that may have influenced you? He would later become my stepdad. He used to come over with all these VHSs of um, wow. black and white films. <laughs> wow. And uh, I was fascinated. I mean, I was six years old um, watching like Bojangles, you know, tap dance with Shirley Temple. Wow. And 
thinking, I think I can do that. You know, and I remember my my first day of dance class was just like coming home. It just felt like home to me. Wow. So. Awesome. Wow. So you, that was at a young age. Oh, yeah. You started developing uh, that, that desire and that passion. Yeah, wow. very much so. Mm-hmm. So obviously your, your mom uh, encouraged that in your life. Oh, yeah. So I was very blessed growing up um, to have a parent who understood it and who validated my desires and my dreams and my giftings and always encouraged me uh, to go after them made a, a, a great deal of you know financial sacrifices for me um, to, to get the training that I needed. So. Wow. So you went to a bunch of schools or growing up or I guess maybe an academy or something? I did. I, I took uh, dance classes from our uh, local dance studio mm-hmm. and was involved in theater uh, in the community mm-hmm. and theater in high school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was just pretty much like, I suppose, your typical um, – thespian <laughs> growing yeah. up uh, just any opportunity I could get to be on the stage I took it and um, I uh, just loved performing you know I was a big ham so uh, my Dang, I was gonna say yeah. that you took my line yeah <laughs> you're just a natural born ham I, I totally am I totally am and uh, you know the neighborhood kids were always uh, <laughs> at the mercy of my direction because whether they liked it or not they were going to perform that's and right I was and guess who was the director exactly yeah. I was the director I was real bossy real bossy my mom was well, always you should saying direct when you know what everybody should do you should well I just knew you know yeah. and I just I could just see it in my mind and and I had to to make what I saw in my mind become a reality so that side of it you know being an actress and then maybe being a director did was it the theater dance that you were kind of drawn to more than just like a movie um, actress or television show actress and then was there at some point where you thought you know directing is really what I want to be involved in I never considered myself a director and I never thought I would end up directing Mm -hmm. until I looked back at my life and realized that I had been directing my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And now I'm very comfortable to call myself a director. I'm finally ready to admit that to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Now, was that something that was... um, Pretty. E- it sounds like it was something that was just easy for you to fall into. Just something that you kind of had an idea, which is real interesting because it's not every day that you find people, even at a young age, that kind of just know. Mm-hmm. You know, they just kind of know what what they want to do. I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm still trying to right. figure out what I want to do when I grow up. You know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, but where where someone at, at a young age just they just know, and they, they just know, and it is great that your your mom helped encourage that, helped you helped you flourish. Um, and flourish in that. So, you know, you've always had a passion for dance and uh, in, in for theater. So, how do you kind of how did you fall into where you're what you're doing right now? Be, you know, uh, being the founder of a director of Alliance Theater and, and kind of that journey to maybe where you got out of high school, college to where you're at now. Uh, yeah. So that's the interesting part is um, the Lord loves to surprise us, you know, and He definitely surprised me. Um, number one, I never thought I would go to college and, uh, the Lord ended up sending me to college and, um, I was the first in my family to graduate from college. It just didn't look possible. Um, number one, I graduated from high school with a a fifth graders education in 
uh, especially in math. I was extremely dyslexic. I didn't have a car. We didn't have any money. Um, you know, we we were on housing. We we um, were on government, all kinds of government assistance. Um, my mom was cleaning housing to support the was cleaning houses to support the family, and I helped her clean houses as well. And uh, it just didn't look like college was going to be possible. And it's not really something I thought about. Um, I didn't really dream about an education because I didn't think I was smart enough to be able to pull it off. I just saw myself as an entertainer and I didn't really know what to do with that. You know, how can you make a living from from entertaining, you know? And so I was in a community theater when I was in my early 20s in Beaumont. And I had the lead in the production. And the director of the show actually was a theater professor at Lamar Port Arthur in Port Arthur, Texas. It's a two-year college. And he said, Adrian, you're really talented. And if you come major in theater, I'll give you a scholarship. Mm. And I just kind of laughed and thought, well, why would anyone major in theater? (laughs) You know, what can you do with that? Why do I need a degree in it? You know, and he said, well, I just think you'll be surprised. You know, times are different now. And and actually, almost all of the performers on Broadway have a degree in in musical theater or in dance, you know. Mm. And I said, "Okay, well, you know, if. If there's a scholarship involved, I'll try it out. <laughs> um, and so I had to get rides every day there because I didn't have a car. And um, that was difficult, but the Lord provided. And two years later, I was still there making straight A's and choreographing shows and getting paid to choreograph the shows at wow. the junior college. Awesome. And I discovered that I was actually really good at it. And then my two years were up and I thought, what am I going to do now? Um, I definitely want to get my bachelor's, but kind of in the same situation. I don't have a vehicle. Um, I don't know how I would pay for a university somewhere. You yeah, know. So after doing two years, even though you hadn't thought about it before, mm-hmm. now you're like, I want to get my bachelor's. Now. Yeah, now absolutely. You got an appetite for it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So I'm like, now I'm dreaming, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and the Lord's you know, awakening those dreams in me. And, and, um, I'm thinking maybe this is possible, you know, maybe I I can make a future in this somehow. And I just Googled (laughs) universities with drama programs, Houston, Texas, because Houston was two hours away from me. And I found university of St. Thomas and I thought, well, I've never heard of this place before, but I'll try it out. And when I toured the campus, I was devastated because it was extremely expensive. It was a private liberal arts Catholic school. And I thought, Lord, I don't think you meant to send me here. This is the wrong place. You know, are you sure I'm not supposed to be at U of H or are you sure I'm not supposed to be at Houston Community College? Why am I on this this campus? And uh, I just felt his anointing there so strong. Mm. And I met with the um, advisor and she said, well, let's just go ahead and fill out your paperwork. I know you you don't know how this is going to happen yet and how it's all going to come together, but let's just take a step of faith and and fill out your paperwork and get you registered for classes. And I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Two weeks before classes started, long story short, 
the Lord miraculously, and I mean miraculously, provided me with a car, provided me with full tuition paid to go to this university. Wow. Um, I moved to Houston without having a place to stay. And I actually ended up <laughs> sleeping on the couch in the living room of this precious woman who was the secretary to the uh, president of the school. She had been the secretary at St. Thomas for 40-something years wow. and uh, never had any kids of her own. And uh, we met. She felt like family. And she said, come stay with me. And so I did. And she's my Houston mom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Her name's That's Patricia cool. Ann, which is my mother's name. My mother's name is Patricia wow, Ann. Goodness. Her name is Patricia Ann. And so I, I stayed on her couch my, my first semester of school. And uh, the Lord, you know, he, he had it in his hands all along. And uh, I graduated with a bachelor's in theater. Thought, this is it. I'm going to be an actress now. It's going to happen. Uh, hold on, you, you graduated, mm -hmm. but before you graduated, you met me at St. Thomas. That was the whole purpose and of listen, you being at St. Thomas, I believe, is to have a class with all of The rest is history. She yeah. met me. <laughs> Which was, you know, she didn't mention that milestone in, yeah, in yeah, her I mean, story. That was huge. Right. You know, well, that's, you know, Oliver. That was moment, right. That was just a little, you know, I'm not ready to be that vulnerable yet, honestly. <laughs> Kind of put me on the spot bringing that up because that was a really special moment in my life. <laughs> Oliver and I actually met at St. Thomas. Uh, was that your last semester? It was. It was, it was my, my last, last semester. semester as well. We yeah. were both seniors. Yeah. yeah. We walked the same year. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I remember thinking, woo, that guy has a voice for radio. Mm. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> um, but that's how we got connected. And so it was just neat how the Lord brings everything around, you know. You know, what I love about your story is that you nobody can write a script for that. You know, I mean, it, it almost seems like it's a theater play. It's a, it's almost, you know, and I think that's what it, it's so amazing when you, when you actually get to see the hand of God in your life yeah. and the providence of God and your life provides step by step. He doesn't always let you know the next move. It's just kind of, he reveals things kind of, you know, as you go, but it's amazing that, um, you you just followed a, a passion that you had, a, a gifting that you thought you had, and God just continued to lay out, you know, um, steps. You know, the, there's a one of my favorite verses is that many are the plans of a man's heart, but the Lord determines his steps. Yeah. You know, is it the plans we have in our heart, but God's going to guide those steps, and it's really an amazing story of the hand, which is amazing to me that you're not you're you're in a profession where you're telling stories because your you, your life is so much of a story of how God has worked. Yeah. Uh, in, in through your life. And I think that's amazing. I'm, I might want to go back to a little bit of your story here in a minute, because I think it's interesting, maybe how you kind of, and I'd love to hear about how you kind of fell into some of the other things you do with, with Alliance theater. And well, so, um, so go on, tell us a little bit more kind of how you got, I mean, I guess you went to some different schools. I know you were at, um, you know, main street theater, theater under the stars, you, you know, performed at a bunch of places, but how did you kind of got to where, where you're at right now? Yeah, so uh, when I graduated from college, I applied to for an internship as an actress with the 80 Players, and they're a Christian theater company in Houston. They've been established for a little over 50 years now, so it seemed like the natural choice, uh, the next step for me, uh, especially being a believer. I auditioned, and I didn't make it. 
And this confused me because I felt like the Lord was wanting to bring me there. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I heard wrong. Maybe I missed it this time, you know? And I auditioned other places. I applied at other theaters and I just, I wasn't getting a job. Nothing was opening up for me. And, um, you know, I got a little scared, a little, a little panicked about that. And, um, because I needed money and I needed some way to to earn a living, I answered an ad on Craigslist. Um, it was a school called the Next Step Academy, and they were looking for a teacher to come in and teach dance and theater. Um, but the school was for kids on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, um, you know, I'm not intimidated by that. Uh why not? So I went and they hired me and it was, they kind of threw me (laughs) into the fire because my first day I didn't really get any training. They just put me with a group of middle school boys on the autism spectrum and said, good luck. (laughs) That sounds scary. (laughs) If you've never Uh, done it before. No, I had never done that before. Um, And I thought, well, you know, I don't really know what to do with them. So I'm just going to do with them what I do with everybody else. We're going to do a play. Mm. I'm just going to tell them what to do and where to stand and what to say. <laughs> wow. you know? What did you know how to do? Just yeah. like I did when I was little. Just, yeah. <laughs> Flashbacks to when I was little. I'm just going to be the bossy girl that I'm tells everybody what, what to do. do. Yeah. I mean, you know, why not? You know? Um, and it was beautiful. Mm. It was beautiful because what I saw was I saw their spirits and I saw who they were. Um, but even more amazingly, they saw my spirit and they saw who I was. And when they, there was a little boy there named Bobby, he was 12 years old and he took my face in the, in his hands. He had these big grubby hands, 12 year old boy hands. And he put his hands on, on either side of my face and he pulled my face real close to his face to where we're almost nose to nose. And he just looked deep into my eyes Mm. and he was so innocent and pure. And I saw Jesus in his eyes Mm. and I felt Jesus looking at me through Bobby. And I couldn't stop thinking about that kid for the rest of the week. I called my mom and said, I met this kid today and I cannot stop thinking about him. And I have got to see him again. And I just felt desperate to see him again. And I talked to my supervisor and said, can you please transfer me to the middle school? Because I have got to work with Bobby. So they did. Mm-hmm. And um, Bobby showed me a part of myself that I had not been in touch with prior to us meeting. Mm-hmm. The Lord revealed to me my full identity in Christ through Bobby. Because you see, I didn't realize this, but growing up performing um deep inside i was always trying to prove my worth through my performance mm. and i uh, didn't have a father who was active in my life so i had a big void because of that and theater was a way to not only kind of be in control of my surroundings and what i was doing but to also validate myself and who i was and i found a lot of my identity in performance but when i looked into this kid's eyes it was like jesus was showing me my value and 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 who i really am in christ 
and he just saw me and I saw him and our spirits connected. And I just was hooked from that point on. And that's when I was introduced to the world of autism. And all of a sudden, wherever I went, I was like a magnet. People on the spectrum would just come up to me and they would just find me. They were drawn to me. They would, um, at the grocery store even, you know, or at the movie theater, um, uh, on Facebook, they would contact me. Um, and now I have all these incredibly close friends on the autism spectrum. I have a family, you know, um, and it was just the anointing. The Lord just hit me with this anointing and it, that's, what's so beautiful about it is that I'm naturally a high-strung person, and I naturally have a lot of anxiety. But when I'm working with this population, with actors on the spectrum, the anointing hits me, and I am the calmest person you have ever met. I've seen that. I saw it at the Christmas presentation you guys did yeah. at Christmas. Yeah. When things would get a little rowdy with some of the individuals, she just had this calm way of addressing it. Okay, we're not going to do that. We're going to do such and such. And it, and it was just like, boom, be handled. It was amazing to watch. <laughs> it was. Thank you. And it ministers to me, you know, because I need that. I need that calm for me, you know. And so I think they don't realize how it really is a mutual exchange when you're operating under the anointing, you know. You're you're blessing others, um, but, but they're blessing you by allowing you to operate under the anointing. Yeah. You know, there's so much in that story. You know, I think uh, how God met you where you were, mm-hmm. you know, God had an ultimate purpose and a plan, but you know, I often think at times, you know, the Bible says that it, for those that try to save their life, they'll lose it. But for those that will lose their life, they'll find it. They'll save it. You know, I think at times when we just are following Christ and willing to surrender and follow him, that there's healing that that takes place that god's in, god's interested in that god's more interested in it than we are god and god knows what we need in our life and i think it's amazing that in that moment all of that kind of came to a head in that one moment mm-hmm. you know on how and i appreciate your authenticity yeah. on sharing about mm-hmm. their past and you know i think we can all share stories like mm-hmm. that you know as well i mean i think we all have different brokenness and different mm-hmm. things you know in our life but how just meeting that one person that God just yeah. changed it for you mm-hmm. in that moment. Yeah. Um, so up to that point, it, you didn't ha- have a passion for those that were um, had disabilities or on the autism spectrum. Is you, they weren't really kind of in your radar. It's like all of a sudden, just boom, it was there. Yeah. Uh, so that's the interesting thing about it is, you know, sometimes the Lord lets us in on things at the last moment so that we won't mess it up mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> or back out or back out. <laughs> right. Or run away. Um, he doesn't let us know everything because he knows when we're ready to, to realize it. And um, looking back in hindsight, people with disabilities had always been in my path and in my life, but I never thought about it before. Uh, I think that the anointing hadn't been activated yet. Maybe it wasn't the right timing, but he he never highlighted them to me the way that he did in that moment and since then. But, but looking back at it, the Lord was taking me through this one day. 
because I always get asked that question. I always get asked, Adrian, how did you end up working with people who have disabilities? Is yeah. there someone in your family or, you know, and, right. and I always say, no, I mean, there was no one. I don't know. Um, <laughs> right, um, right. But uh, it brought me back to this moment when I was five years old and he just reminded me. I, I had a friend named Jennifer. She was my good, good friend. And she was in a wheelchair when, when I was five years old. She had spina bifida. But I didn't even think about that because I just didn't see her in a wheelchair. I just saw her as Jennifer. I didn't see her as my friend with spina bifida in a wheelchair. So I just never thought anything about it. Then he fast forwards to eighth grade dance. I'm in eighth grade dance and everybody's dancing and there's a boy in a wheelchair and nobody's dancing with him. And I asked him to dance and we danced together. I didn't think anything of it. Um, and then he fast forwards to, I'm um, 21 years old and this girl named Katie, um, messages me on Facebook and she says, Hey, we used to go to school together in elementary. And I said, really? And I didn't remember her. And she said, yeah, will you come pick me up and take me to lunch? And I thought, well, that's kind of a strange <laughs> thing to ask, you know, I mean, you don't even really, I was like, but okay. So I picked her up and when I picked her up, I quickly realized that she had, um, some kind of a uh, social disability, some you know something going on, and I uh, later found out that she actually had brain damage from an allergic reaction to an inoculation when she was a baby. Um, but she was just like a sister to me, and we just became good friends, and we you know we just hung out. I didn't think anything of it. And then in college, I nannied for a twelve year old girl on the autism spectrum, mm. but she wasn't on the autism spectrum to me. To me, she was just Chloe. You know, it was just Chloe who I nannied for. And the Lord's like. I've always put <laughs> these people in your life, you know. Um, but yeah, they weren't highlighted until that designated moment with Bobby. And um, and then I knew, then I knew what I was supposed to do. Uh, I went back to 80 players. Remember how I said I felt like I was going to be an actress at 80 players? I went back to 80 players, but this time with a new mission and a new desire. And I said, can I start a program here for artists with disabilities? Wow. And they said, yes, you can. Well, it, you know, this whole story making me think about a quote out of a book by John Eldridge. And this quote is, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go and do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Mm. And you know, I think that's such a powerful quote, what makes us come alive. Yeah. And I yeah. think what you're describing is a moment where you felt like you just came alive yeah. Yeah. and it was just, it was a no brainer. Mm -hmm. You knew where to go with that. Yeah. That's the beautiful thing about it is I, I love performing and I love being on stage. I love the rush that you get, you know, when you feel the energy of the audience there and the applause and the lights and the smells and everything about it. Right. But none of that can compare to the feeling that I get when um, I see somebody else come alive on stage. Yeah. When I see someone else being validated and stepping into their gifting and knowing that I had something to do with that, you know, yeah. it's so incredibly rewarding um, and healing. And um, there's just nothing like it, you know. I've heard you say, um, this is a direct quote from you. Um, I heard you say, I love being able to pull on the person that's hiding in the shadows and uncover this treasure that they've had there all along. 
but nobody would look twice at them. Sometimes the best treasures are hidden. And you know, again, I love that statement. Again, it's so rewarding to see, to be able to draw the potential out of anyone. So how have you seen the hearts of some of your students come alive? What has that experience been like working with, with people with disabilities? <laughs> I think that people with disabilities feel alienated a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. They feel like they, they're not seen. They feel invisible. Um, they feel like they don't have a voice and that they don't have a lot to offer or that if they do have a lot to offer, no one's really interested in what they have to offer. Um, and so I love being able to prove to them that that's not true. <laughs> you know, it's just as simple as that. I love being able to offer them a platform and see them bloom. Uh, they just open up and step into their true identity. Wow. And when they do that, see, I already see them for who they are. I don't see a disability. I just see their spirit and I just see who they are because it's a gift that the Lord's just given me and he just shows me who they are. But when an audience is coming to see a show, that that's not the first thing they see. The first thing they see is what they can see with their eyes, their natural eyes, which is the disability. So they might see the cerebral palsy, you know, or the spina bifida or the wheelchair, whatever it is. But when this person starts acting or singing or dancing, when they step into that gifting, that disability melts away and the audience sees the heart of who that person is. And then that person isn't someone on the autism spectrum. That person has a name and they have an identity. And there's an exchange that happens and an understanding that happens between the performer and the audience. And that's something you can't put a price on. You know. that, that's powerful. Um, is there a, a difference with that between maybe somebody that doesn't have a disability? I mean, is there just kind of because that barrier is there at first, you know, that perception's there at first when someone does see that? Because I, I think it's so much just in life mm-hmm. and not even with someone that would uh, be on the, you know, autism spectrum or with disabilities, but just in life on how much we often don't see the person mm-hmm. for who they really are. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the labels that we have attached are, are preconceived ideas about that that person and how much that really gets in the way of us to be really being able to see someone for who who they truly are and it's amazing how you describe theater as a way where it's an environment where that happens absolutely theater is so powerful because it's raw it's vulnerable it's your moment to be transparent when we come together as a community and we have a live theatrical experience Um, What we're really exploring is the human condition and the conclusion that we should walk away with Mm -hmm. is that even though we might all come from different backgrounds, we might look different, we might have different physical abilities, at the end of the day, we all want and need the same thing. We all want to be seen for who we are and celebrate it for who we are. We all want to be loved, to know love and to love others. And um, I feel like the theatrical experience unites people in that way. Uh, It breaks down barriers and it's very, very healing. Um, So so how much does your faith impact um, your, I mean, obviously you you see that God, how God brought that um, Bobby in your life and Mm -hmm. that change. But as you look at doing 
theater, doing uh, the academy. I mean, how much is faith a part of that, your spiritual life? Um, so that's a really wonderful question because as we know, the entertainment industry can be a very dark place. And that's why more than ever, Christians need to be in it. Because the only way to take the arts back in the Lord's name, in Jesus' name, is if we start getting involved. So the theater is a wonderful missions field. At my theater, even though I don't announce it as a Christian theater, and we don't per se do, quote, Christian shows or or shows from the Bible or things of that nature, you know, um, it very much reflects the heart of Christ because of our love <laughs> and uh, the sacrifices that we make for each other. And because we don't just say that we're family, we actually are family. Uh, and um, when you open up, you know, to the Houston community, we have our auditions are for everyone. So when we have open auditions, no matter your religion, your background, um, your sexual preferences, uh, your abilities, it's open to, to anyone and everyone. And <laughs> anyone and everyone auditions. It's very colorful and entertaining <laughs> to see um, how diverse Houston is when you have an open audition yeah. and anyone from Houston can come audition for your show. Yeah. Let me tell you, that's that's pretty eye opening. <laughs> yeah, sure. Can I come? Can I come yes, audition? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Oh, we would love to have you audition, I'm Oliver. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go with you. We'll... Oh, watch out. Watch out. Uh, you know, I got to ask you because yeah. I, you were sitting there talking and I was thinking about theater is, you know, you say people want to be seen, mm -hmm. known. And often in theater, if not always, mm -hmm. in, in dramatic presentations, we often take on this character that we portray mm -hmm. that is other than self, mm -hmm. that in some kind of way allows us to know ourselves better. Is that yeah, kind that's of strange? So good. That's so well, you, good. You, you become something <laughs> other than yourself mm -hmm. to see how you look being that, and it mm -hmm. reveals you something to you about yourself. Oh, absolutely. Um, so <laughs> it's a little off topic, but I love that you bring that up because um, to be a good director, you, you have to be a good, um, you have to be strong in casting, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I always think it's interesting whenever I would audition for shows, uh, why the director would cast me the way that he would cast me, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> and at first I would think, well, I don't have anything in common with this character that I'm playing. But then as I'm playing the character, I realize, wait a minute. That is that I do I do that? I I do do that. And how did that director know that? Like what did he see in me that made him decide to cast me in this role, you know? So it goes a lot deeper than it, what you it think really it does. does. It really does. And now sitting on the other side of the table, I'm the one casting the shows, you know? I'm the one directing. Um, I really do see different parts of people at the auditions. Yeah. Sometimes parts they don't even know that they're showing to me, you yeah. know? Yeah. And people often are surprised with the way that they're cast. Um, <laughs> So it really is revealing. Yeah. So I think that you're is. right. Christians do need to be involved in theater more. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They do. And, and you don't have to 
um, be a performer to be involved. That's the thing is we always focus on who's on the stage, right? But yeah. there's a whole world happening um, behind the scenes uh, that without it, actors wouldn't be able to do what they do. And so we're always needing volunteers or people who are interested in um, supporting the vision um, more so off stage hmm. than on stage. Um, yeah. You know, I want to, you know, going back to that idea of, of recognizing maybe something in someone that they think would this this person would be great for the part. Are you wondering why the director chose you mm -hmm. for the part? It just makes me think that we are in a drama, mm -hmm. the redemptive story of God and how God will choose us to be a, have a part. Like he chose you mm -hmm. to have a part in his story in this role mm -hmm. to carry out his, you know, his redemptive. And I think that's amazing. And how much theater, I think the whole story is parallel with, with, with what God's doing um, in the world. So Alliance, Alliance Theater, you know, there's a quote from a book called Restoring All Things by John Stone Street and Warren Cole Smith. And they really talk about uh, re how God is in the business of restoring all things and his redemptive purpose in the world. And they have four questions that they lay out. They're kind of guides to kind of help people think through how maybe God could use me in the world and two of those four questions are one is what is good in our culture that that we can promote protect and celebrate and number two what is missing in our culture that we can creatively contribute and when i think about alliance theater it really answers those two first two questions that um it you're celebrating what is good and you're creatively contributing to culture you know you described a little bit about alliance you know theater mm -hmm. uh, what's it, what's involved in that but again, one of the, the, the things that I've read um, from Alliance Theater, and I wanted to ask you about this. It says that um, we all have wants, needs, and dreams. Sometimes the difference between the three can get blurry. I don't know if you ever felt like, you know, I, my dream is maybe something to put on the side. I need to have, you know, wants and needs. I need, just need to focus on what my needs are, maybe not my wants. But sometimes there's no difference. A dream is not only a want, but a need. Mm -hmm. That's such a profound statement to me. And I think that people necessarily, they don't necessarily think that having a dream is a need. So talk a little bit more about that when, when you say that dreams are needs. Well, you know, the Lord um, wants to give us the desires of our heart and mm -hmm. the desires of our heart come from him. Oftentimes, you know, he's the one who puts that desire in our heart, you know, whether it's the desire to have a family, you know, or the desire to be an actress, right? Whatever that desire is, um, it, you know, it can come from the Lord and, um, and that's a dream, you know? And, um, I think that, there's something about the word dream or the verbiage of that that sometimes our society has a problem with because they feel like it's irresponsible or it's something you should grow out of or it's something that's not really going to be productive or, or benefit you, you know. But nobody says that to professional football players. You know, when they're when they're interviewing them and they're like, oh, man, I've always wanted to be a football player since I was a kid. That always been my dream, you yeah. know. Well, now that they've made it and that they are professional football players, nobody looks at them and says, well, that was foolish. Why did you waste your time on that? You know, and, and it was a need, right? Because it was who they are, because their dream is tied to your identity. Yeah. Um, and that's why there's really no separating the two and why it's so important to validate people um, in their dreams and to encourage their dreams 
because they're sharing a piece of who they are with you when they share their dreams with you. Mm-hmm. No, I think that uh, that's powerful. And I think sometimes we we live in, our, in a culture that maybe wants people to suppress their dreams a, a little bit. I mean, there's one side that it's all about what your dreams are, but the other, other side's you need to grow up, you need to go to college, you need to get a good job and you need to mm-hmm. you know, make good money and you need mm-hmm. to get married, you need to have a dog, you need to have two and a half kids and yeah, ultimately and a, you need and, to be you know, a three uh, car garage and you know, yes. it's just a typical <laughs> yeah. thing and then you need to raise your kids mm-hmm. to go to college, to go do the same thing you're doing so then you can grow yeah. up and you can be old and then you can, you know, push a little walker with little tennis balls on the wow, bottom and just, Bill. you know I mean? It's kind of like, your, that's your, that's the that, deal. Like that's listen, the dream. That is not that's my the dream. dream. That is the, that's the dream right there. Right. You know, it's um, so depressing. And, uh, oh. and so, uh, but, um, you know, I think that God has created each of us so unique it, or, or individuals. He's, he's mm-hmm. uniquely created us all differently. I mean, there's only one, there's only one you. Mm-hmm. There's only one you. There's only, it's, it's, I used to tell um, students, they're always looking, you know, they want to be authentic. I'm like, do you realize how authentic and unique you are? <laughs> There's only one yeah. of you in the world. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Project Fusion, this is something that you guys did last year, 2020 Project Fusion. Mm-hmm. And it was really just an experience. Um, well, it was, it was about experiencing the world through the eyes of, of the artists with disabilities. So what, what was that like when you guys did Project Fusion? What was that experience like? Uh, that was such a beautiful show. Um, we were able to produce it uh, two different times in, in 2019 and in 2020 pre-COVID, um, which, by the way, we produced three shows during COVID, so the Lord wow. is good, wow. live shows. Awesome. Um, but for Project Fusion, what that was was it was a live performance featuring film and also um live acting on stage. So it would go back and forth between film and live acting. Um, but it was a collaborative um, project where myself and a filmmaker named Scott Jackman sat down and talked about the experiences that we've had with the disabled community and um, things that we've heard them say, things that we've heard their parents say, things that we've heard just people out and about say at the grocery store or, or wherever and we decided to write a script about these experiences from the perspective of everyone involved and um, we also talked to a lot of our artist friends with disabilities and and interviewed them and got inspiration for the script based off of that um, but basically the show explores what it's like to be an artist with a disability um, and um, what we can do to make them feel more included and be more included, more more of a part. Um, it also explores the power of inclusive theater. So the show featured over 20 actors, some of who had disabilities and some of whom did not, some who had visible disabilities and some who had invisible disabilities. So an invisible disability would be someone on the autism spectrum, which can also be referred to as a neurological difference. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times it's not obvious that this person is on the spectrum. A lot of the times maybe the person could come across as just socially awkward, Mm -hmm. you know, and for that reason kind of be Mm -hmm. a social outcast, but no one actually realizes that they're Mm -hmm. on the spectrum. Um, And then we had cast members who had 
visible disabilities, you know, who were needed a walker to for assistance or a wheelchair. And then, of course, we had professional actors in the Houston community who are working professional actors who do not have a disability. And it was a beautiful thing to bring these people together and see them experience each other, especially in rehearsals and sing together and act together and dance together. And um, then what was so <laughs> wonderful at the end of the show, which I was not expecting at all, is audience members coming up to me and not being able to put their finger on like who had the disability and who didn't mm -hmm. have the disability. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah, and I thought that that was a pretty profound statement just in itself, you wow. know, and how at the end of the show, it didn't even really matter to it anyone. Really and that's kind of the whole reason they came to the show in the first place is because they were curious to see how's this going to work, yeah. you know. And also, I heard a lot of comments like, I wasn't expecting it to be that good, mm -hmm. but it was. And I'm thinking, well, that's interesting. Why were you not expecting it to be that good? Yeah. Because was it because some of the actors had disabilities? You know, so it was just very revealing about the way that we perceive people with a disability. Yeah, yeah we put them in a box and yeah. say, you can only do this. And I can't enjoy it unless you're this way or this have this posture or this height and this kind of hair and these kind of eyes or whatever. I know Chuck and I went to Project Fusion. I think that's mm -hmm. one we came to where you, mm -hmm. you did live entertainment with film and it was awesome. We sit there and we're entertained the whole time. No, mm. I mean, when it was over, it was like, oh man, it's over. You kind of <laughs> was like sitting there like some more, some more. But it was, mm -hmm. it was awesome the way you fused those to live and the pre-recorded together mm -hmm. and, uh, I was just glad to be there, and we, I mean, we had a small part in it. We helped, but it was just so much more than I thought, and, yeah. I, and I'm guilty of that. I was kind of guilty of that expectations <laughs> being shaped by the fact that, you know, this, there were going to be some people with disabilities in mm -hmm. it, but when I got there and sat down, man, I thoroughly enjoyed it <laughs> and kind of got lost in what they pre were presenting as opposed to who was presenting it and trying mm -hmm. to figure out who had a disability or not. It was mm -hmm. just a, an enjoyable evening. It really was. Thank you. I'm so glad you came. So, so Oliver actually, um, and uh, the Chuck. the church here, Oliver and Chuck, and yeah. and the church, they uh, donated the projector for our show. Yeah, their projector, yeah. and you don't, you have no idea how grateful I was for that yeah, because yeah. we weren't <laughs> using it. It was weird because we were just yeah. sitting there. Yeah. yeah, we were so. I was so incredibly grateful. It was another. Um, it was just the Lord. I was like, Lord, you know, we're getting down to the wire and we still don't have a projector. Yeah, and they <laughs> and he it brought like you theirs. to my mind. He brought you to my mind is yeah. the thing. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. And, and I was, you didn't even know we had one. I didn't know like, that they had one. Yeah. Um, I don't even know why we connected again. I don't remember. Yeah. But he brought you to my mind. Yeah. He highlighted you to and me. We had that so. projector just sitting back there because we had done yeah. what movie Never. night a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. We'd used it, but we weren't yeah. using it on a regular basis. And, it would yeah. save the day Mark because said, sure. Because <laughs> that was the premise of our show. Is yeah, there was a lot of film in it. Yeah, yeah. that was a so. big part of it. And I yeah. just I felt like I was a part. It was great. <laughs> yeah, and uh, what I loved about it was all the laughter. You know, yeah. um, 
that's another thing is people are people are afraid to laugh. They don't know if they should laugh or not a lot of yeah. the times, mm-hmm. you know, when we're talking talking about the topic of disability, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and so what I loved about the show is how the laughter really made people feel more comfortable and let them yeah. know like, hey, it's okay. Yeah. You know, it's okay to laugh about these things yeah. and these experiences, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's like saying, I can laugh about myself. Yeah, you yeah. Can laugh with me. The <laughs> actors are like, hey, I'm aware that I'm in a wheelchair. You don't have to pretend like right. I'm not, you know, we can be real. Um, and the kind of the funny experiences that come from things like that. Um, but also, you know, just realizing that, oh, hey, that person on the autism spectrum sometimes struggles with knowing what to say, you know, in a social setting. So do I. I can relate to that, mm-hmm. you know. Or, or that person sometimes on the autism spectrum um, overshares things about their life. <laughs> Or doesn't know when to stop talking about a certain subject. They don't realize that nobody is interested in what they are saying. <laughs> Wait a minute. I do that. Yeah. Or that sounds like my husband, right? <laughs> so so we're hearing little snickers, but we're not sure if we should really come right out and laugh at it. And it's funny. We can laugh at it. it it's funny, you know? <laughs> so uh, you talk, you use the word inclusivity, mm-hmm. um, you uh, with with this show and, and obviously you're talking about um, people with disabilities and the people that are um, uh, working together so explain a little bit more what particular when you say ex- in- inclusivity but also what how have you seen actors that don't have disabilities how have you seen them react respond mm-hmm. when they're working with people in those settings that's really a good question. Um, so I think that's one of the most beautiful things about the inclusive experience, for me at least, is seeing how actors with with non-disabilities um, uh, walk away different. Mm. Uh, so they usually come in a little apprehensive and not sure. Uh, they don't want to say the wrong thing, you know. And um, they leave so much more comfortable than than when they came in Mm -hmm. and they leave um knowing that the next time they see someone with a disability they're going to go up and talk to them and they're going to feel comfortable to talk to them and to establish you know relationship with them um and so that's one profound way that they leave differently than than the way that they came in um but another specific experience is we we produced a show called the boys next door and um one of the main actors in it does not have a disability and he does a lot of acting in the houston community and he said um you know i thought the show was about me performing but um tonight at the end of the show when the audience was clapping for carl and carl was one of our actors on the autism spectrum he says I realized that it wasn't about me at all. It wasn't about us. It was about them. Mm. And he just had this huge smile on his face. And, you know, he was so moved by by that experience, by being able to provide a platform to an artist with a neurological difference and being a part of that, you know. Mm. And so it was about the bigger picture. Mm. You know, this time it wasn't about me being yeah. seen yeah it wasn't about me yeah it was about somebody else and that was so rewarding mm. um and so i love that mutual that exchange that yeah. i get to see you know and i love um 
the actors with disabilities being validated, you yeah. know, by the actors without, you know, and it gives them an opportunity to show who they are and say, see, like, I can do everything that you can do. I'm yeah. just as talented and capable as you are, mm-hmm. you know. What misconceptions do people have about people with disabilities? And you, you maybe touched on a little bit of that, but in general, would you say people that are not involved in theater would not be involved in, in um, you know, Alliance Theater? What, what, what misconceptions do people have? I think a major misconception about people with disabilities is that they're somehow not as intelligent mm-hmm. as the rest of us. Yeah. Um, and I, I hear statements like this all the time where people learn what I do and then they say, oh yeah, um, I have a second cousin who's on the autism spectrum, but he's really smart. Oh, okay. Thank you for clarifying. Yes, but he's really smart. Like that's interesting and I hear that a lot. I know so-and-so on the spectrum, but but actually they're really smart. They can do blah, 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 you know? I'm like, yeah. And um, <laughs> um, so I, I get that one a lot or I'll get the um, opposite people who have seen the movie Rain Man too many times. Uh, <laughs> they think that everyone on the autism spectrum is a super genius and must be really good at math and numbers. Um, <laughs> But it's actually mm. not so. Um, the spectrum is a is a spectrum. It's huge. So everybody's different on the spectrum. Um, and then when it comes to you know more so uh, visible disabilities, that's where people get really uncomfortable. Um, so the main complaint from actors with a visible disability, uh, something that really saddens their heart, is how when they're out in public people don't look at them. They know that they were seen, but they're not looking at them Mm. because their disability is making people uncomfortable because people don't know what to do or how to respond. And they don't want to say the wrong thing, so they just don't say anything, you know. And one of our actors um, who has spina bifida um, shared that she would rather you come up and speak to her and even ask her what happened and why is she in a wheelchair than to pretend like she's not there. Um, yeah. Powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, that makes me think of that story of, of Zacchaeus, the wee little man in a tree. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when Jesus walked by, it says that he, that he saw him. And I think there was something powerful yeah. when it says that he saw him. He saw him. Yeah. You know, so tell us a little bit about Alliance Theater. How do, how do people get involved? How do people get involved with Better Together? You mentioned earlier about uh, volunteering, uh, being a part of Alliance Theater. So tell us a little bit about how people can get involved and uh, what is um, how someone can be a volunteer. Um, yeah, so we are always needing volunteers um, for a whole host of things. So nobody be nervous. You won't be forced to audition. I don't need a headshot and resume. You don't need to do a tap dance for us. I mean, maybe Oliver does, but nobody else does. Dang it, I wanted to do a headshot. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I bet you do. I bet you do. Um, but no, uh, if you want to volunteer, you just want information. You know how to get. You want to know how to get involved. Um, go to our website. Our website is Alliance Theater Texas. Oh, look, Oliver's there right now, actually. <laughs> it's Alliance Theater Texas. And is it .com? 
think it's dot com. Yeah, dot com. And um, theater is spelled R E. I didn't know if you know that's the proper way to spell it. Uh, <laughs> but you can go to our website, and there's a little tab there where you can just shoot me a quick email. Um, you know who you are and what you're interested in, what your question is, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Um, if you are interested in auditioning for Alliance, we will have audition notices post on our website as well. So be sure and check that out. Um, we'll also post when we're doing shows. Uh, right now we're doing an academy show. So Alliance has an academy called Better Together. And it's really geared towards 18 and under, although we do have some adults as well. And you can uh, go to our website and check out our classes that we have to offer. We have a stage combat class coming up. Uh, so that should be fun. And we have a ballet 101 class for ages 12 and up through young adult. And we also have a baby ballet class for ages five through 10 as baby well. <laughs> uh, and our classes are inclusive. So once again, that means that we have students with and without disabilities. Um, and so our academy acts as a training ground for aspiring artists who eventually will be ready to move on uh, and ready to audition for not only Alliance shows, but shows around town as well. Um, and of course, when you get cast in an Alliance show, it is professional production. So you are paid a stipend. And um, the goal is to really make our artists ready for professional work. One of the ways that we're going to change the culture and to make it more inclusive, right, is to send our artists out into the community, into the, the working land of theater. So we want our artists to be auditioning at local theaters. We want them to go to Main Street and audition. We want them to audition at Tuts. We want them to audition at Alliance. Houston has a theater district. It's huge. There are so many theater companies in yeah. Houston. And Houstonians are so diverse. We're such a melting pot. But when you go see a show, you don't see the diversity of Houston reflected on the stage. You really don't. Mm. And you don't see it in, in race and you don't see it in ability. Um, and so that's one of the things that we really hope to influence um, is you know, making sure that Houston stages reflect the diversity of Houston. And um, the way that we're working to do that is equipping these aspiring artists and then hopefully sending them out and seeing them on the stage somewhere else one day. So have you seen a change in the inclusivity in the theater industry? I mean, do, do you see people being more accepting? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, and, and I am not going to take credit for that. Um, <laughs> so in general, uh, our country, um, Across our country, we've been seeing a new wave of, of uh, inclusiveness in the arts. So uh, recently, the first autistic actor was cast in the role of an autistic character. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a huge breakthrough. Wow. Uh, and then very recently, the first um, actress in a wheelchair was cast in a major role on Broadway. Um, so we are seeing this yeah. move and it's happening up north first and we're experiencing the trickle down. Mm. Um, 
as usual, Texas is a little behind in the arts with that trend, but that's okay. We're getting there. We're getting there. That's the important thing, you know? And so this makes us very excited. And I love to share those stories of, of course, with our cast members because look guys, look guys, you know, they're doing it. They're having breakthrough and and so can we. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So again, for the, for the auditioning part of Alliance Theater, is that all ages, like, you know, nine years old, 10 years old, all the way up to 30? I mean, is there... So each show is different. So it depends, so it depends on, whatever, on what the, the show. show is, what's looking for, gotcha. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Exactly. So with the shows, it's different. With the classes, is there an age range? I mean, there are age-appropriate classes. I heard you say baby ballet. Yeah. So with the academy... um. We offer classes to all ages. It's Mm -hmm. really important to me to not put a cap on the classes because that's another thing that um, the community finds difficult is that when you have a child with a disability, there's lots of programs available to you up until the age 18. Mm -hmm. But after 18, Mm -hmm. it kind of all goes away. And parents are like, what are, what are we supposed to do, you know? And so our classes have no no age cap on them. Um, I believe our oldest student currently is in his 40s. Um, so, you know, we want all ages. And, of course, the um, types of classes are broken down into age-appropriate categories. But, yes, I mean, our youngest is six years old and our – oldest is up there so wow. yeah wow. <laughs> yeah that's great well hey thank you so much for mm-hmm. for being on on the show i mean it was incredible hearing your story and, and hearing your heart i think you know people are going to be very encouraged you know uh, again going back to that idea of being seen yeah. and, and being known and being loved and i think that that is across everyone in the world that everyone has a desire to be seen to be known and to be loved and it's amazing that, that God is using you to create an environment for that, for that to happen. And so it's been a blessing to have you on the show. Um, again, for those of you that are listening, be sure to go to um, Alliance Theater and, uh, and check out all the shows. And again, if you want to volunteer or even audition for one of the shows, uh, check and, uh, and see when those are coming up available. But again, thank you so much, Adrian, for being here. It's been such a delight. And for those of you listening, be sure to subscribe if you haven't done so and so you can catch up on all the latest content that we have. I hope you enjoyed the show. Y'all take care and God bless.